everyone, and welcome to this episode of the SAP Changemakers podcast. I'm your host, Robin Prince. And today's episode, we have an incredibly exciting, you know, very relevant topic on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I'm so excited and I feel so blessed and humbled to be able to have this great panel of speakers with us today. I am going to introduce them to you and what they do here at SAP, and then we'll kind of go through around a set of questions for each of them to discuss from their experience and their point of view, uh, dive a bit deeper into the topic of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So first we have Margot Goodson with us. She is the vice president and head of North America diversity and inclusion at SAP. We have Amy Broyles, services offering manager for SAP's human experience management portfolio. Klaus Kampen, Principal Business Architect for HR Innovation and Transformation Services at SAP. And last but not least, we have Dr. Lauren Bidwell, Senior Research Scientist on HR Research for SAP SuccessFactors Portfolio Strategy. So as you can tell just from their titles, we have an incredible panel with us today with some incredible insights, industry knowledge, and expertise. So we are going to just kind of get started. It's a rapid fire round of questions, and they're all going to provide us with some fabulous insight. So for our first question, we're going to start with Margo. What are the primary focus areas and priorities of SAP's DE&I strategy, and how has it evolved over the years? Well, thank you for the question and for having me here today. Uh, the primary focus of our strategy is that SAP, we have an aspirational goal to become the most inclusive software company on the planet. And what does that mean? It means workforce representation. It means the way we engage with our customers, suppliers, and ecosystem. It means the policies and procedures that we have at SAP. And personally, my mission in North America is making DNI our DNA at SAP. That is foundational to what we do, where we do, how we do. We have goals that we set forth as it relates to women in leadership, as it relates to representation of underrepresented ethnic groups in the United States. And those aspirational goals, we set metrics, targets, and measurement systems, accountabilities, programs, processes, and procedures to support it. So what does all that mean? It really means that we partner strategically with some third-party entities to help us source we look at what we do when it comes to sourcing, attracting, recruiting talent. And then once we have them, how do we onboard, engage, and retain the talent? What do we do to career develop and advance the talent? And then how are we functioning in our ecosystem with our customers, partners, and suppliers? All of that's so very important because we want to ensure the inclusive culture drives our employees to thrive and that they feel that they're free to be their full authentic selves, bringing the best in, of their talents to the jobs that they do for us on a daily basis. The careers that they can build, regardless of their diversity dimensions, is the key part that I'm proud about with SAP. You can be here for years and years and invent and reinvent yourself in a number of different ways because of our diverse, inclusive nature of the work we do, the experiences we enable, the backgrounds that our talent comes from, and how we engage. So diversity is a fact, inclusion is a choice, and SAP's made that choice to be very inclusive in our culture, in our representation of our workforce, in the execution of our strategy across the globe. Thanks, Margo. And I love that line that you said, making DNI our DNA. At SAP, that's yes. that's incredible, and I'm sure you take that everywhere with you because it's such a powerful yes, I do. message. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, thank you. So next we have Amy. 
How do you see technology being part of the solution? And of course, we're a technology, a software company. So of course, that's important in driving this forward. How do you see that happening? Yeah, thanks for having me today. And that is a great question. Our success factor solutions have many features to support and address this, including leveraging capabilities of people analytics related to diversity data, and that ensures you're able to report on key metrics such as who applies, who is hired, who is developed and rewarded, and who leaves. It also includes attracting diverse talent and illustrating the commitment to inclusion before and during the candidate experience including improving your first impression recruiting with inclusive messaging. Also, uh, prioritizing inclusion and onboarding new employees. And finally, addressing bias in how people are managed and developed. Great. Thank you, Amy. And bringing it around to Lauren and, and on the research side, how has your team's research with customers informed SAP SuccessFactors, DE&I solutions, and the new services offering? Sure. Um, so a little bit of background uh, about our team. We're, we're a team of applied psychologists, and what we're responsible for doing is conducting research on all sorts of topics that's intended to actually inform the success factors product and portfolio strategy. Now, as psychologists, we have specific training and expertise in the topics of diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, especially making fair, more effective workplace decisions. So we bring kind of a, a unique angle to thinking about this topic, and we've actually conducted significant research on diversity diversity, equity, and inclusion over the years. Um, the topic uh, and its importance and prevalence has, has changed and evolved from when we started studying it back in 2016 or 17 into today. So the way that we include our customers and we, we think about this topic globally, we have a global customer base. So we include customers from around the globe in semi-structured interviews. And what we've really been seeking to understand is the pain points, the key challenges that our customers are really experiencing today. And then we actually go back to existing psychological literature and lots of empirical research and evidence that can help us understand and really provide a perspective on the best way to potentially solve these the interventions that we could potentially design through our software. So those functionalities that we reference when we're talking about how the success factor suite can support diversity, equity, and inclusion, these are very much based in, in science. And that's kind of what we see the role uh, of our team to be to really bring the science to the technology. I think that's such an important point too. And just listening to the three of you go through each of your own respective topics, it speaks to the fact that we're not just preaching DE&I at SAP. We are actually doing the research, applying it to the technology and the way that we deliver it internally and externally. And that's what sets us apart. I mean, you have to have that research backed evidence to then flow that through the rest of how we operate. So Thank you, you know, all three of you for opening with such incredible points and topics. We're going to come back around now to Margot. What are some areas of opportunity that companies in early stages of their DE&I journey can focus on to get started if they have not embarked on this journey fully quite yet? A good place to start is to assess their current landscape, their leadership, their organizational goals. So for example, our organizational goals help the world run better and improve people's lives, right? That's what we say for our software and products and services. Well, likewise, our employees' lives 
and then thinking about how we do our leadership principles. We talk about embracing differences, building bridges, not silos, making it happen together, telling it like it is. All of those are core principles and tenets of our company, and they're tied to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And likewise, what we do from a strategy perspective on the DEI space is tied to our leadership goals and objectives. So companies should first assess their own landscape. What is their company's overall mission and goals? What's the organizational principles and leadership attributes that they aspire to? What leaders do they have to really executive sponsor the messaging that they want to bring forth? And then what's most important to them in their growth? If they're an entity that already has a good representation metrics to look at, then use that as baseline data. Is it gender representation that you're looking to grow? Is it ethnicities that you're looking to grow? Is it based on veteran status or LGBTQ plus? What's important to your organization as it relates to representation? Is an easy way to start because it's data that's usually readily available when it relates to um, identities. Then also look at your policies and procedures. If you really want to get into equity, it's not equal, it's equitable. It's not about everyone having the same thing because the same results won't come from it. It's about having equitable distribution of opportunities, assignments, skills, abilities, tools, enablement. Therefore, you want to examine your existing policies and procedures in search of systemic barriers that may get in the way and let evolving that be a part of your DEI strategy. So those are the primary things that I would say. Examine your policies and procedures. Look for areas where you do have available data for baseline metrics and establish what you want to do and how to grow that particular area. But first and foremost, learn, understand, tie to your organizational goals and objectives and the leaders that are going to help drive the messaging with the DEI department. Great. Thank you, Margo. Now, bringing it around to Klaus and, and coming off of that topic of, you know, companies getting started in their early stages of DE&I, how does our HXM advisory service help customers, you know, address these topics of DE&I and, and getting started on their journey or maybe in the middle of their journey? How do we go about that? Uh, first of all, thank you for inviting me today. Um, I think very interestingly, Diversity, equity, and inclusion is often not on the top list of priorities that many of these customers bring to us in EMEA uh, when they come to us before implementing success factors, as an example. At least not at the beginning and uh, rarely as a named priority. What we find is that they are often dealing with the consequences of not having diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives and policies in place. Things like poor employer branding that leads to below average applicant numbers or let's say a high employee fluctuation or low employee engagement, just to name a few examples. When we engage with them in these design thinking workshops, we help them identify the value drivers to think in process um, design principles. What is it that they really wish to accomplish and what are the business outcomes that they expect from using platforms like SuccessFactors, for example. So as a result, these diversity, equity, and inclusion topics are then identified as quantifiable value drivers. And then we translate them together with the customer into specific processes that can be lived by employees, by managers, by the leadership. You could say that this is a learning process for many of these customers. Great. Thank you, Klaus. And Lauren, so with the services, of course, comes the solution first. So what is unique about SAP SuccessFactor's approach to DE&I through the solution that we offer? 
Yeah, I think it's two things. First, we've touched on a little bit already, right, that our approach is scientific, it's psychological in nature, you know, everything that we we um, have to offer from a diversity, equity, and inclusion standpoint that's supported by our products is really based in rigorous research. But the second is, I would say, maybe clarifying what could be a misconception, um, which is that Success Factors does not have a diversity, equity, and inclusion product. We have an entire suite of products and solutions that support and facilitate DEI and are embedded with DEI at the heart. And I think that's a really important distinction. And you heard Margot touch on it a little bit earlier that it's really part of our DNA and it's part of the DNA of our products too, because it's really our perspective that, you know, quote unquote, you know, solving DEI challenges that can't really be pinpointed by one solution or maybe the use of a solution at one point in time. If we think about making a real progress and achieving real success related to DEI and um, really pushing that agenda forward, that's really the result of making more fair, accurate decisions many, many, many times and at many, many different points of the employee life cycle and at that aggregate level. It's really an ongoing process. And that's where technology can be really helpful. And that's really the way that we've thought about designing the, the solutions that we have to offer to help our own customers. So I think that is a unique approach and it's a really valuable one and one that I think we should feel proud of. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, embedding it throughout the entire solution and suite of products that is success factors, again, kind of speaks to that it's a complex issue and and priority that we need to solve in multiple different channels, not just one avenue that makes it simple, but needs to be embedded throughout the entire process, throughout all of the functionality. So I think Yes, it is an absolutely unique approach that we are taking with our solutions. So thank you, Lauren. And we have arrived at our last round of questions before we get into our closing statements from each of you. So back to Margot, how do you transform a more homogeneous culture from a traditional hierarchical structure to a more diverse and inclusive environment? And I know that's a loaded question, but (laughs) I know you are very much prepared to answer it. Oh, it's a journey. (laughs) (laughs) Diversity, equity, and inclusion is a journey, not a destination. We all are on various aspects of the diversity continuum. So in the attempts to transform traditional cultures and structures and homogeneity that may have been longstanding, it comes with a bit of education and understanding. It comes with the knowledge that diversity, equity, inclusion is multidimensional and intersectional. So it's not just about one aspect of identity dimensions, but multiple. So it can be gender and ethnicity and veteran all at the same time, or it could be Ivy League, or it could be certifications and no uh, degree, right? So diversity, equity, inclusion is intersectional, it's multidimensional, it's tied to your results. And people are by and large competitive. So when they're looking at results, you have to engage them, engage the teams, have them to be part of the process and the evolution and the ideation of what to do for their respective environment because not every team will lead the same way. When you empower people to engage in it a little bit better, they're more able to see the benefit of including them and being inclusive in our nature to involve them that they then turn to be more inclusive. It's easier to change practices and procedures, see the success of that, have that drive the mindset, which changes the behavior. So it's an evolution of inclusion journey in and of itself, the way we approach it. And then looking for culture at, not culture fit, 
whether that's internal talent within your teams, whether that's external partnerships, you know, companies will acquire other companies left and right, such as SAP has done to diversify our products and services. So think of that the same way when you're thinking about what we're doing from a diversity, equity, inclusion perspective. If we can flatten the landscape a little bit from being a hierarchical, but being more inclusive to all generations on the same team and everyone having some degree of input, it will begin to show that the power of the innovation and productivity that the McKinsey's and PwC's and all of them tell us reaps greater financial results for our company. It will, we will recognize those. We will see it. And we owe that to ourselves as stockholders and stakeholders of the company. So in trying to transform it, that education and letting people see the business imperative, see the value of the inclusiveness, let them feel the inclusiveness and then they'll replicate the behavior. All of that is very important because it's sustainable. It's more sustainable than a one and done event or activity or a workshop or training. You know, I even try to stay away from that word training to just say enablement sessions that we can input sustainable solutions and processes and procedures in place that can be replicated year over year by all teams or various teams. And that in and of itself will enable us to be more diverse and inclusive. It's our superpower, if you will, if you let it be with the impact that it can have with the outcomes of the company. Beautifully said. Ladies and gentlemen, play that back. If you just listen to it, (laughs) play it again. That was an incredible response to that question. Thank you, Marco. Thank you. So Amy, how can SAP services help customers with this transformation? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we just heard Marco mention that this transformation is a journey. And at SAP, we want to help you in that journey. In May of this year, we are excited to say we officially launched a DNI review service. And this was done in partnership with all of the uh, research that the Business Beyond Bias team has done. And this service is meant to help promote specific features within five SAP Success Factors modules that in some way support or address diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. For each module, we would perform an analysis to take place to determine the usage of the key features uh, that help support diversity and inclusion. And the findings document and the final presentation would be presented to a customer to help identify the areas that we see of improvement within the current system configuration that's relevant to these key features and also explain to them how to implement them so that they can um, be aware of of the transformation that they can help uh, take part in. And you can have this review done for one or all of the five modules that we offer today. And we're already looking at the future of being able to have this with additional modules, but we're very excited for what we'll consider the phase one of this uh, service that's just launched. And this also is going to help customers to maximize the adoption of SAP success factors features that support the diversity inclusion and allow for continuous improvement with our business processes. The last thing any customer wants is to have things remain stagnant. And it finally, it also drives for better adoption of this innovation that um, is delivered by SAP success factors on a continual basis. So there's, there's always great enhancements and innovation that are coming out in the releases twice a year. And it's just a great opportunity to then really be able to see how that fits into um, the configuration and into the strategies that companies wanting to explore and start to um, go down that journey with. Thanks, Amy. Yeah, it is super crucial for customers to continue with that adoption and that consumption 
to move along that transformation journey as success factors continues to improve, you know, as services continue to improve. And at the heart of it, you know, SAP wants our customers to be successful, especially in the DEI space. So thank you for that. One last question for you, Lauren, um, before we get into our final wrap up from all of you. We know you're conducting research today, always conducting research. What is one of the most surprising things that you've heard? Sure. Um, I mean, we've learned so much. It's been a really fascinating few months. It's been um, about six months we've been conducting research, as I mentioned, with customers around the globe. And we've learned tons of surprising new things. But I'll choose one that I think connects really well to both what Margot and Amy shared. And that's the shift that we've been seeing, kind of what I've been referring to, a shift from focusing on people biases to focusing on process biases. For a long time, a long, long time, companies have been really focused on trying to eliminate bias at the individual level, meaning trying to tackle those personal biases that someone might hold and exhibit that kind of manifest in their decision making. You know, lots of unconscious bias trainings were happening, uh, which I think today it's more common that we understand that there's limitations to that training that wasn't necessarily the case in the past. But that was really the focus of a lot of training, a lot of organizational campaigns and efforts. And what we've seen or at least heard about now is companies realizing that the people bias part is it's not an unimportant part to solve, but it's a very difficult problem to solve. Mm -hmm. And it's not the only problem to solve. It's really just kind of one piece of the puzzle. And the other piece, um, and I think this comes with a lot of maturity, and that's maybe what's really surprising about this shift that companies are getting there today, is realizing that it's those underlying HR processes and policies and cultural norms, perhaps, that in and of themselves might be biased, that might be discriminatory in nature, even if on the surface they look unassuming. Mm -hmm. um, and in this way, it kind of allows those individual biases to really manifest themselves and show up. So we've been hearing more and more about companies really taking a look very holistically across all of their HR processes and thinking very critically, you know, from attraction and who's, you know, being recruited into the company all the way to the end about whether those processes have really been designed at their roots as fairly and equitably as possible and actually starting to take action if not. And, and like I said, this really echoes those amazing points that Margo made, but also the services offering, you know, thinking about across the employee lifecycle, those parts of our technology that can help companies to really move the needle and make some progress. So that's definitely a, a really welcome shift, I think, and, and one that we were kind of interested and excited to hear happening. Yeah, that's incredible. And that's certainly something that I personally have not heard addressed thus far. And I, I really am looking forward to seeing how that manifests itself into the solutions moving forward, because that's, I mean, it almost seems like a no brainer, but it's not. So the research that you're doing is incredibly important. And thank you for sharing that, that insight. So for each of you, uh, we have just one simple wrap up question for our listeners. If you could just leave one thought or one statement for our listeners before we end today's episode, what would that be? And we'll start with Margot, and then we'll move on to Amy, Klaus, and Lauren. Okay, so my final thought is a top three. <laughs> so my top three is don't be performative, but be strategic. 
number one. Number two, listen to your workforce, customers, suppliers, and others in your ecosystem, you know, your stockholders, et cetera. And number three, make DEI your DNA by fully embracing and embedding it into your corporate practices, policies, procedures, and culture. That's my final thought. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Margo. Amy? Yes, I'd like to leave uh, everyone with this thought. Let your promise for today be to unleash the power of diversity and inclusion in the workplace. All right, we have Klaus. Um, Marco Bizzari, the president and CEO of Gucci, said that uh, diversity and inclusion, which are the real grounds of core creativity, must remain at the center of what we do. And I really love that. Thank you for having me. Amen. And last but not least, we have Lauren. Sure. I think what I would leave listeners with is something that I've learned from the many conversations we've had with our DEI professionals, which is that progress is not about being perfect. It's not about these huge, astonishing leaps and bounds. It's about progress. It's about moving the needle a little bit at a time consistently, you know, doing the best that you can with what you have where you're at. You know, many things about this topic are really complex, but there's also some really kind of simple, basic and foundational first steps that any company can can take to start really progressing uh, in this space and eventually meet all of their goals. Love it. Well, thank you to all four of you for gracing me with your presence here. This topic is certainly one that's near and dear to my heart, as I'm sure to all of the listeners tuning into this episode. So thank you for your incredible insights and the work that you're doing every single day to drive this topic forward. And for all of our listeners, please like, you know, subscribe to the podcast and share this episode with anyone and everyone in your network so that you can also help to drive the DE&I needle forward, as Lauren says, a little bit every single day. So thanks to everyone. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Take care. 